Okay, welcome to the Tabletop Miniature Hobby Podcast. On this episode, I'm joined by Colin. How are you doing, Colin? First time on the show? Yeah, good. Thanks, Matthew. Thanks for getting me on. This is exciting talking about I can't about believe it's taking our... so long. I know. <laughs> for us to to get this episode on the go. So two two good pals of yours, Grant and Joe, they've already been on, you know, they've uh, they've done their piece, so you're bringing not up to the be cow's tail. Too insulted, Matthew. I mean it's like I'm <laughs> I'm kind of the third choice, the the third wheel, the yeah, just the dregs, you're getting me on eventually. <laughs> so you had uh, you had any games or anything recently then? Yeah, I found actually the last um couple of years Certainly the last year has been like my most gamey time for a long time. It's been great, actually. I've been playing a fair few board games. Uh, but Catan, Settlers of Catan, quite well. Like, an old classic, but new for me. Uh, I actually managed to convince my kids to play it. We've got a few littler games that I play with the kids quite often as well. One that you gave us as well, that Dragonwood game is actually really good. Oh, I meant to ask, guy. Is yeah. that is that good? Or are you just telling me that? It's genuinely quite fun. No, it's genuinely quite fun. It's um, really simple, really quick. It's it's kind of uh, rummy with a fantasy side to it. So you get monsters, you get like a dungeon in front of you, five monsters in front of you, you draw these cards. They all have um, power in three different ways. So a, what is that, a strike, a bash, or a stomp, or something like that. A strike, a scream, and a stomp, potentially. And you get cards in your hand that have numbers on them. And the way that you strike at these baddies is by having either a run, so one, two, three, four, or um, a flush, like all the same color, or uh, there's another way. What is that? Oh, all the same, all the same number. Uh, and that's like uh, strike, bash, or stomp, whatever it is. So it's quite good fun because you're kind of cycling through the cards quite quick, try to defeat monsters in different ways. You can get kit as well. So you can get like a shield that makes your, your stomp better or um, wings that make your scream better or whatever, you know. Uh, so it's quite good fun. You build up this little um, armory. Yeah, it's cool. It's really good. And it's quick is the main thing and easy to learn. Better than Descent, remember? Because uh, I, I bought Descent back in the day and uh, just couldn't couldn't manage it. I think it, part of that was that I tried to set it up after like nine beers. Yeah. Um, so I handed it over to you and you, you, you got on, um, well, better than me, which is not hard, but did you like well, it? Yeah, it was really good. I really enjoyed it, actually. I, I love games that have... Um, a good story to them. And that one had a decent story, actually. Like, every mission was a bit different. It, the objectives were a bit different. So, like, sometimes it was to rescue some people. Didn't matter if you defeated all the monsters. Another time it was literally to just kill the monster at the end. Another time it was to find some stuff. Um, and you built a map, and there was a wee bit of plot to it. Uh, we So, <laughs> my cheat, though, was that we didn't use all the rules. Like, we just kind of played it a little bit. I was playing it with a seven and an eight-year-old, maybe, at the time. Uh, mine but like I'm saying they were they were a lot younger at the time it was mine when they were seven and eight um so we didn't play with all the rules and I, th- I found that was a secret I didn't worry too much about playing it exactly perfectly and it was still good fun um but you know what we've we've been playing hero quest which is similar which is quite good fun too have you tried classic hero quest I um, played it improperly back in the day. That just sounds like I played it naked, doesn't it? <laughs> um, I played it. I played it back in the day as a kid. Uh, you know, the original. My, my pal had it. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. weren't playing it properly, but um, no. So that you've you've bought the um, the new version that yeah, came out. The new then, version, right? yeah. But as far as I know, it's exactly the same as the old one. Had you heard anything different? Like it was 
No, I'd, I'd, I'd heard bits and pieces about, like, they still have the mechanic where you roll to see how many squares you go and stuff, which yeah. seems a bit like old school board game, but yeah, totally. um, but you like it. I do. It's it's not as good, actually. The plot's a bit thin, and the fact that you're just kind of building a dungeon on this one board just feels a bit more... Ba- it's, it's quite basic as a game. You basically... You don't even have that many special powers. Like, the magician has got a few spell cards that don't change. The elf has a really small set of spell cards that don't change. And then you've got the barbarian and the dwarf, which just hit things, and that is it. There's nothing really else to it. And like you say, the move is so random. Like You could move two in one turn and then 12 the next turn, which is a bit weird. The monsters are all the same, really. You've got one baddie that can do a bit of magic, but it's really just you're playing the exact same thing every single time and there's not much to surprise you or it doesn't feel like there's much strategy to it at all. So it's a funny one because it's it should be more fun than it is, I think, but it's just not as... I suppose if it is just the old classic, it's the it's the 20-year-old, 40-year-old, whatever it is, game that Descent has been built on but evolved and made better. So it's maybe, maybe kind of that. Like when you go back and le- read the Lord of the Rings books, like... Um, I get a bit bored with them because they just don't have the same sophistication in some ways that some of the newer ones do that took that basis and built on it. I don't know. Maybe not fair. I'll get a lot of people shouting at me for that probably. <laughs> with uh, with Descent, I remember like how I found that back in the day was um, I just had this appetite for like, I'd been like out of gaming and stuff like that for years and I just had this appetite for maybe getting Hero Quest again. Or yeah. Not getting it again, but getting it for the first time. And I, yeah. I went into my Google machine and I was like, uh, you know, I thought you would just be able to get Hero Quest, but yeah. it turns out it was totally out of print. So Aye. I was Googling um, Hero Quest alternatives and Descent was the popular option the there. Yeah. So I picked up like two board games at that time. One wasn't a miniatures game, but uh, the other one that I got alongside Descent was Dead of Winter. So um, meeples, I guess you'd call it, and, you know, cards and stuff like that. And that was actually really good. We managed to play that, um, although because it was just me and Julia, you lose that dynamic of there being the traitor and everything, like which sounds really cool, but you couldn't do that with just the two of you. But I still enjoyed that game. I've heard it's really good. Yeah. Is it? So it's one of those ones where are you trying to play together to defeat the game, but there is a traitor in there all the way through? Aye, although the traitor is an optional part of the game. So if the, if you're just yeah. playing it two-player, you've got your compound. It's the zombie apocalypse. It's the winter, obviously. Yeah. So you're going mm-hmm. out and getting... Oh, punching my mic there. You're going out and getting food and stuff and supplies. Yeah. Yeah. But if there's more than two players, it turns out that you know somebody's working against you and you've got to, to rat them out sort of thing. But um, yeah. I enjoyed that game because I could still manage it after like six beers at eight o'clock <laughs> at night. Was, was <laughs> so it that must have been long... playable. Was that a long-term one, as in you play through a bunch of missions, or was it a one-off every single time? No, I think there was um, progression. So, yeah. yeah, I think this is a long time ago now, you know, going back yeah. to, like, 2016, yeah. maybe. So that's a lot of beer ago. <laughs> we should we should but, swap uh, games again, because I've got a few that we don't really play anymore that you'd probably really enjoy, and I'd love to have a go of that one as well. Yeah, um, I sold that one, so I, oh, I'd you? love to help you on that front, but I Great got rid chance. of it, and then just we um, we were making room. Yeah, um, totally. But yeah. uh, one that I'll need to give you to try, again, not a miniatures game, but uh, a really enjoyable fantasy-themed game, Escape yep. the Dark Castle. Have oh, you okay. come across that before? I've heard that name. I feel like maybe I have played that years ago, but I'm not sure. 
Is it yeah. like floor falling in and stuff like that? You're trying to get out of a place uh, well, and, and the board um, keeps changing. Is that? It's not so much a board as it's almost book style, but it's cards. So oh, this like, isn't what I'm thinking of at all then. Yep, go for it. It's definitely like an homage to uh, the fighting fantasy books. I yep. think the creators are pretty open about that. And it's not hard to see from like the style of the artwork and stuff like that. But yeah. you've got like a deck of, and it's not um it's not playing size cards, it's uh, big cards illustrated and tells you where you are in the castle. So you're almost creating a book when you're shuffling the deck. And That's each cool. card you turn, you're in this room and you know, here's the problem facing you, usually some horrendous baddie. Yeah. And you as the, the team, whether that's two or four of you are collaborating and you've all got your skill sets, but it's not yeah. your typical uh, barbarian, dwarf, etc. Yeah. Um, you're really shit characters. You're a, I think you're like a cook or like, you know, it's really like low level characters that have escaped. So yeah. you do have your skill set, but it's not like, oh, stand back whilst I get this uh, bow and arrow out, which yeah. I'm very good at firing. Um, so you you've all got them or something. <laughs> yeah, aye, it's, it's much more low level, but um, aye, yeah. the, the combat and it's really good. Uh, and the idea is it's something like 13 rooms you have to progress through. And then you've got a boss deck of like yeah. three or four bosses. So you, you'll fight one of them at the end and usually yeah. die. Um, but it's a great wee game. Really like it. We got it at the very start of the pandemic, so we played it a lot. That's cool. Um, that sounds good. I'll escape the Dark out. Castle. They've got sci-fi that. versions in that as well. Like it'll really? be like Escape the whatever the Space Hulk or um, yeah. a different term than that. But it's it's funny that whole concept, like making games that are more realistic. And how you like on one hand you think like D and D Dungeons and Dragons type of thing you want to be a a wizard or a barbarian or something because they've just got these outrageous powers and you can just run about like doing whatever you like and and you can die but it doesn't even happen that often but one of the RPGs that I've played with a group of friends the longest I've told you about this a couple of times Matthew but it runs on um, Rollmaster which is kind of a D&D type system. So it has dice you roll and you've got stats and powers and all this kind of stuff, but it's way more strict. Like it's way more basic in terms of your character is quite a lot more basic. Uh, you start, your starting character is just like you were describing it there. Like you're lucky if you can even hold a sword, never mind hit somebody with the right end. Um, and so you start out much more normal and have to develop yourself. And there's something really kind of... Um, cool about that actually compared to playing D&D like I really I do enjoy playing a game in D&D but this game we've played over 25 years with this group of friends where I'm still only like level six I think starting I think we started it too as well we got a wee head start um but it makes it feel so much more uh, dangerous like you you actually could die and we have got horrendously injured sometimes like we've had to take a break we've had to take a break in game time for like a month and a month or two at a time sometimes to let somebody's broken leg heal <laughs> it's kind of crazy that way and then the plot moves around you and there's yeah it, it feels like so much more of a success though when you actually pull someone off like you want to fight it just feels so good. And we, we tell stories still. It makes out how geeky we are. Um, but as a group of friends, like when we go to the pub, um, sometimes we tell stories about our victories in this game <laughs> that as if they were like things that we did 15 years ago because <laughs> they were such a kind of thing that stuck in our head because we defeated this bad guy because we're so useless. Uh, so yeah, there's something about that, like just being more normal um, and the kind of risk and the reward that comes from it. It's funny. <laughs> 
I like that. Uh, I, I don't. I never know if low or fantasy is the right term for it. I don't necessarily think it is, but like you're saying, the the normal people, if you would call them that, you know, the yeah, slightly pathetic yeah. people. Yeah. Um, and it's and th- that's like talk about a lot on the show, but the older school aesthetic and like Games Workshop and that was a lot more grounded and. You know, even 40k and that, it just had yeah. this grubby feeling like, you know, there's a lot of people just cobbling by. Yeah, um, and these totally. days, your your game's on that front. I think everyone is just a, you know, everyone's a hero in their own right and yeah. Um, yeah. almost invincible. So yeah. I, I, I much prefer that kind of way of yeah. looking at your story worlds. It's more the it's more the Joe Abercrombie fantasy world than mm-hmm. the uh, mm-hmm. Tolkien. It's more just yeah. normal people um, getting dirty and complaining about their uh, you know their lumbago when they're sitting in the ditch waiting for the attack to happen and all this kind of stuff. It's mm. funny. <laughs> Have you ever played? You're mentioning games, uh, traitor games. I think I've asked you this before, but I can't remember now. Have you played Battlestar? Battlestar Galactica. No, no, I've not played that. No, it is one of my favorite all time games. Um, we need to get uh, a few people together and have a game of this sometime. It's a, it's a funny, it's a really weird game, and you're on. So the Battlestar Galactica series, sci-fi series, obviously they are kind of off in space, um, battling the Cylons, which are the AI, the robots. Maybe that's uh, prescient now, given ChatGPT is going to start killing us in future. Um, oh no, it's just listen to this; it's going to get us now. Uh, but you're off in space, and you're working together to try and defeat the Cylons. You're on this spaceship. You all have your own roles. Um, Cylons turn up every now and again as spaceships are trying to defeat you and you all work together to try and defeat them and basically survive. The goal of the game is to last long enough, literally to last long enough to get to this kind of promised haven of a destination. But the thing that makes it really... Well, that base game is actually really fun, but the thing that makes it great is that it's a traitor mechanic. So one of the crew is a Cylon and you have to try and figure it out. Uh, And the base mechanic is that every time you're trying to see if you succeed with something, you all put in uh, a set of cards which have values on them, um, which can be positive or negative. And you can put in one, two or three cards or more, I think. So every time you're putting these in face down and in the end, you turn them face up and you see all of these cards and you see how many negative ones went in there so you can tell that some Cylon is trying to destroy it but you don't know who is doing it and it just becomes really weirdly political like you're trying to figure out you're actually asking people are you the Cylon and you're trying to see if they're lying and and you're saying but you just did this like why did you go over there like why did you do that and you have to get people out you have to genuinely explain why you do it and I've played this maybe six or seven times now and and I've been the Cylon I think twice and one of those times I did quite well, and one of those times I didn't do well at all. And the time I did well just felt like so... It's the only time ever playing a game like that that I felt like this real kind of anxiety and pressure in, inside me, like nerves about being discovered and people asking me these questions and having to like act and lie and all this stuff. And it's just absolutely brilliant. It's so fun. Um Like that anxiety in a good way, it's just weird to like try to figure it out. So yeah, we need to have a game of this sometime. How many folk would you need for that minimum? Like four or that? Or? I think you need, you can play with three, of course, but then it's not, yeah, we've played it with four and had a really good game. And I think we've played it with five and that's been really good as well. So I think, yeah, four or five is ideal. Yeah, definitely. Do you prefer uh, sci-fi settings or fantasy settings? Do you have a preference on that front? No, I love them both, actually. I I always alternate reading books between fantasy and sci-fi as well. So I'm happy with either, to be honest. I don't think it matters to me too much. What about you? 
Um, I would probably just opt for fantasy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. there's not a lot in it. There's not a lot in it. Um, where uh, yeah. we've been playing Rangers of Shadow Deep, Robert and I, oh, yeah. on and off yeah. for the past few months, and that's a yeah. fantasy setting. I am looking at doing a sci-fi one. I've got a rule set, uh, Rogue Planet. It's called. Okay. So small scale fan, uh, small scale sci-fi skirmish. Yeah. Uh, so you could use all your old like forty k stuff and that. Oh, on it. cool. Um, it's miniature agnostic. Yeah. So looking at getting a game of that and um, hopefully in March sometime. So how how's your Rangers of Shadowdeep campaign going? Have you is that one where you develop your characters as you go along? So things change. You're actually doing a story. Guys, your little guys get better. Yeah, exactly. So I think we've played, I'd say about five scenarios now. So we've progressed, uh, we've leveled up a couple of times and we've lost a couple, I think we've lost maybe two of our party, like, because you've got, you've got your ranger who you want to keep alive, obviously. (laughs) And uh, then you've got like your party, both of you have got your parties and we lost, um, we lost one character, you know, they got, they got a, Take it off the table, and then you roll at the end to see what's happened to them. And it was a one, so it was death. Oh, is that how it happens? So and then we brought get, it was yeah, it was Goatsy. Goatsy uh-huh. was a beastman, <laughs> so we brought Goatsy back as son of Goatsy, and he died as well. So um, his family, his curse, the Goatsy lineage. Not a great uh, time for them. Obviously, one of their ancestors has done something terrible. Had son of Goatsy had a kid before he uh, perished. I think we ended up talking about this going into one of our um, next missions and we got into the whole um, cryogenically frozen semen topic. So um, one of the lower points on the history of this podcast, of which there have been many. But uh, what, makes, what, what do you like about Rangers of Shadowdeep? What makes it worth keeping on playing? I think it's the pure narrative storytelling aspect of it. I like yep. collaboration as well. That was I mean yep. one of the things I was going to bring up there with you as well yep. was preference on like collaboration versus versus yeah. versus if you like but on to answer your question yeah I like I like the idea of working together. Mm. Um I just, for some reason I just find that more satisfying. I don't know yeah. if that's yeah. just because I'm such a nice person I'd rather be friends <laughs> with people. Um, but aye, it's it's pure story as well. You've got uh, your event deck. Um, yeah. You know, you're you're always going to be facing a cool wee thing where something's going mm. to happen. It's just a case of where and when. So yeah. it's just a it's a great storyteller's game. And me having never done D and D or that, I guess I'm just yeah. getting the taste of you know what people like about that, but in a yeah. in a more gamey miniature form. So. That's cool. That's that's what I'm kind of missing about um, Kill Team just now. We've been getting into Warhammer 40k Kill Team uh, as a, just a tabletop game. The idea being that this is a bit quicker. It's just a little skirmish game. You only need five or ten models, so it's much cheaper to get into, much easier because you don't have to paint as many. Um, and the rules are just a lot simpler as well. I think, as far as, far as I know anyway, I've not played like full-scale 40k to be fair, but... Um, that's what I believe the idea is, but I'm kind of missing the partly the collaborative side of it because I, I agree, I, I really like collab games as well. I like working together. Um, there's just more like there's kind of thinking outside of the game, the meta game side of things. Like a big part of the reason that I play games is just to hang out with mates. It's like good fun, and if you're playing against each other, there's less banter because you don't have, you know, you're both kind of concentrating on your turn in turns, so there's less chat back and forth. But if you're a collab game, then you've obviously got to talk about it and there's something to chat together. And yeah, 
So there's something funny about that. But the the 40k thing, the, sorry, the kill team thing is there's no, there is narrative you can build in and we have yet to look at that, but I'm missing not having that in. So I think that's the next thing we need to look at is how to build in that story so that we do have something that continues and, you know, little guys that get named like Son of Goatsy, that's really cool, uh, and kind of continue their, um, their missions. Because I think that's a huge thing that makes these, uh, like RPG is good for me is that kind of development is getting better and, and evolving things over time. So that's our next step with that, certainly. have you? Is it something you uh, wanted that, to give a go there? Have you ever tried 40K in general? When I, Again, when I was younger, we had 40K, me and my pals. I think we all had a copy and it was the, was it second edition? The the Blood Angels on the front, he's got the big power fist. It's the iconic 40K cover. Right, yeah, okay. It was Orcs, orcs Against uh, Space Marines. Yeah. Um, so again, we wouldn't have been playing it like f- where it's full like rule set, but we were yeah, we were sure. guddling away at it. Um, mm-hmm. I was uh, I was into that. I had um, Warhammer Fourth Edition, I think it was. I always get that wrong, and I had Epic Space Marine. Um, so you like? Um, did you not say before that you ended up going down to Nottingham and doing like tournaments and that? Yeah, yeah, that was with Fantasy Warhammer Fantasy. Um... Back in sort of seventh edition, eighth edition, and it kind of went a bit crazy after that, I think, and I never really played much after that. But yeah, there was a, there was maybe three, four years where, and it's that same group of friends I play the RPG I mentioned with, um, plus a few others. I, they were just all really into it, so I kind of got into it. I was I was dwarf player, had a Bretonian army as well. Uh, did you have any fantasy at all? Did you say that? Yeah. Um, yeah. everything that I thought was cool so I had like yeah. the the very start of an undead the very start of a chaos like the oh, very yeah, start yeah. of a lot yeah. of stuff and Aye, nothing yeah. completed so yeah it was cool I really enjoyed the tournament stuff actually like we, I went along to a club a few times there was a club in Edinburgh when I lived there um, you could go along and just get a match once a week and uh, they had tournaments. There was a tournament we went to in Stirling. Then we went to Warhammer World for, it was called Battle Brothers. So you played, that was cooperative as well. So you played with a pal. So me and Joe played together um, as a team. Like you have, so it's four players in total. Uh, the two of us on one side, two of them on the other. And you just like storm through and just try and defeat the other side. It was cool, actually. It was really good fun. And Warhammer World is such a weird place to go and visit, like this castle. Like what did you think of it when you got there? If you're in the market for a t-shirt, mug, sticker or magnet with Goblin Green bases written on it, then today is your lucky day. We've teamed up with TeePublic to create a merch store for the podcast, which you could visit by going to bedroombattlefields.com forward slash store. So go and get yourself some Goblin Green bases branded merch today and bonus points if you send in a photo of you being escorted out of your local games workshop. That's bedroombattlefields.com slash store. And now back to the show. I mean, I, I loved it in the main. Like it was, you know, as somebody who grew up with all of that stuff yeah. to go there and and see it and uh, just walk around the place. Like was was really good. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I had um, certain criticisms. I felt it could have been the exhibition could have been more of a museum, a journey through the, the history of the company and that. You know, yeah, I was slightly disappointed yeah. that they kind of just interspersed wee bits and pieces amongst all the modern stuff. So I had certain uh, gripes about it, but none of them that spoiled my experience. So yeah. I take it you were around the museum and everything as well. Yeah, I went to look, I, I mean, it was just really a showcase of good painting, wasn't it? Like you can't yeah. even really tell which ones were the old models, new models, whatever. Like you say, there was no kind of story or anything. It was just really a 
I don't know, I, I to, almost the token kind of, here's a bunch, it's, it's a sales thing, isn't it? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> end of the day, they've got a huge shop upstairs. They've got loads of tables to play on. So they encourage you to buy more, play more, which is fine. That's what their business is, of course. But um, yeah, <laughs> did you get a pint of Bugman's 5X? I didn't buy the Bugman's. I think oh. because you told me it wasn't worth getting. Um, no. <laughs> what was it you said? It was just basically like Belhaven Best. Oh, it's different... like a pint of Best or something. Yeah, it's like yeah. the most basic of bitter, I think. <laughs> I think, shockingly, yeah. I had like a Peroni or that because sometimes I just oh, fancy goodness. a lager, um, <laughs> which I know upsets a lot of uh, beer purists. Yeah. But um, <laughs> like the, you were obviously like doing a lot of the Games Workshop stuff, but you, you gave me my very first flavour of Frostgrave. I mind you gave me a shot of your Frostgrave book. I yeah, think it was the true. first edition. So you were yeah. obviously playing Frostgrave a few years ago as well. Well, that was a funny one, actually. That was one of those that Grant and I played maybe one or two matches. Um, and it was quite fun, but it just never hooked me in. Uh, and I think actually it was a bit of a bad time. It caught me like I wasn't playing much at all at that time. I think we played Frostgrave because it was an attempt to find a quicker, easier game to play because it was when my kids were pretty young so and uh, it was just hard to find the time at, the, at that point in life. So yeah, I think we just never got into it. But I think it was. It was. It got, struck me it was similar to Shadow Deep, except it was competitive rather than collaborative. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I never really got into it. I'd happily, happily give that another shot though. Again, I think it's a bit more like Kill Team, uh, but for fantasy. Like it's just a little skirmish game, basically. Aye, aye. What, what's the what's the reason you're doing mainly Games Workshop stuff then? Or is that an accessibility? Is it just easier to find people to play against because it's so popular? That came up because uh, a friend of mine, Dylan, you could get you should get him in the show, actually. He does a lot of gaming stuff these days. Dylan um, lives near me, and he had got a set called The Burning of Prospero, which is a 40k set, which is... Um, like Descent, actually. Sci-fi Descent, in a lot of ways, actually. It's uh, 40k models, uh, but it's a set of, how many, six or seven missions um, where you get the kind of, um, like Descent, you get this the custom bits of tile that you fit together to make a map for every mission. Uh, you get different um, objectives for each side, uh, and it's all set up in a different way for every single one. And that was great. That was really good fun. So well made, really well balanced. Like, you know, these games often, the balance is a wee bit lacking. Like each mission, you can see that, you know, you did a decent job, but still you got absolutely annihilated. Uh, but this one, like every game was really close and we played both sides as well. Um, it, it was just really fun. And that was based in the 40k world. And we thought, how can we play more of this? And that was what brought us to Kill Team, actually, because it was a similar kind of thing, but you make up your own. Um, and the, the only thing that's missing from Kill Team is that kind of ongoing uh, set of missions and the continuation again so yeah you should have a go with that one it's hard to get hold of i think i don't think it's in print anymore <clears throat> dylan got his second hand uh but yeah worth looking out that burning of Pros- prospero if you can you got a games workshop in inverness there is one isn't there there is yeah yeah there is and there's a wee, go in uh, it? independent bit too well i'll go in every now and again and then realize why i don't tend to go into games workshop because <laughs> you've just got the guy stuck to you and <laughs> yeah. uh He's just, it, you've, even though they don't have shopping baskets, you've somehow got a shopping basket in your hand and he's putting things in it. I uh, guess it must work for them, but I I would buy more Games Workshop stuff if they didn't do that. If I could walk into a Games Workshop like once or twice a week and just have a wee browse around and just walk back out again without any <laughs> like a wee kind of strange um, 
over uh, enthusiastic um, chat, <laughs> uh, which is, I, I feel bad for saying that actually because they're always very enthusiastic and very nice. But it's just there's a bit too much and they don't know when to say st- to stop. I say, oh, what do you collect? Oh, dwarfs. Um, all right, how long have you been doing that? Oh, just you know, not very long. I'm just having a wheel around. Don't worry. Uh, and then they keep going and they just keep going and keep going. <laughs> I remember having to give one of them an absolute roasting when I was like twelve, <laughs> an absolute telling. <laughs> I imagine he quit his job after this because uh, we were in there. It was like a trip to Edinburgh with the family and I got to go in Games Workshop yeah. and he'd asked me like what army I collected and I'd said a bit of everything and I was, you know, and he he's he's going around the shop and he's like, you're going to need this, you're going to need this, you're going to need this. Yeah. And at one point I like got my, you know, your wee Velcro wallet. I yeah. got that out and I was like, look, mate, see in here there's a tenor. See all this stuff, like let's, let's, let's tote this up like and see what it comes to and it was like you know in my mind it's probably a more impressive telling than it actually was but i basically said like i can't buy all this stuff i'd love to but i can't and here's yeah. why so yeah. um yeah I, yeah they must get uh, training in that like to it's it's definitely a kind of um clingy heavy sales approach yeah but hey yeah they make good, Aye, good old games funny. workshop <laughs> apologies games workshop people and there's probably people listening that work in there apologies <laughs> 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 um, I wanted uh, Colin to ask you a wee bit as well uh, us in our day job uh, working in the podcast industry and uh, I-, I wanted to kind of touch on this as well like creating content in this hobby because it's it, you know it comes up a lot around yeah. this show um, yeah. people talk about you know whether they should start a podcast around their hobby maybe they should yeah. uh, do like a social media account do a bit of YouTube like all these sort of questions come up and um, yeah. I mean, one of the things that, that's been topical for us recently is uh, there's been a bit of news stories, hasn't there, about uh, podcasting is in decline now. Um, there's less podcasts being made and stuff like that. So is this a terrible time to be starting a podcast around your hobby? <laughs> well, go and listen to our other podcast, Podcraft, where we denounce that statistic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely not. It's not declining at all. It's, it's some parts of podcasting have slightly declined, like the massive big budget shows or um, the really bad little um, one episode ones that just die away again. But good podcasts that continue and talk about a great subject that really reach listeners is doing really well just now. So if you want to start something on someone like gaming, it's a it's a great chance and it's a, it's a great topic to cover too i actually i used to listen to a fair few warhammer shows years back but a lot of them died away and i've not really found a replacement for them like are you listening to any good gaming shows just now yeah so there's a couple on my uh, rotation so um and the guys that run them have mainly been on the show before so there's a good one a yeah. uh, crown of command that cool. is um heavily focused on 90s gw You've got the War Games Orchard as well, which is pretty much focused on that era. So they're they're both, you know, pretty focused on the Games Workshop stuff. And I know another one, the Old Hammer Fiction podcast that I've really been mm. enjoying. So the creator okay. there, he's been going through a lot of the old uh, Black Library stuff and just he's a good narrator. Yeah. So he's um, not just reading the stories, but talking about them as well at the end, yeah, you know, cool. giving a bit of analysis. Yeah. Um, and then one I just discovered recently that I've been listening to as well, My Life in Miniatures. So that's a bit more, you know, it's not just Games Workshop. It'll be, it could be any sort of form of miniatures or any game system or yeah. that. That's been really good yeah. as well. So um, are you are you got any on your playlist these days? Not at all. I used to, I mean, I at least used to listen quite dedicatedly to a few shows like um, Healing Hammer. Dan Healing, I think his name was. He did a really good show where... You would just pick a really specific topic 
um, like, and it was fantasy more than anything else. <clears throat> so he would pick something like um, how to use dwarf slayers uh, in the best way possible. And he would talk through a bunch of scenarios and their pros and cons and strengths and weaknesses, all that kind of stuff. And I just found that really interesting. It was good fun. And he was just a good host, often had uh, the same co-hosts every time. So they would have a good bit of chat too. And there was one called, um, there was an Australian show, which was great too. What was that called? Something. They're all called Something Hammer. <laughs> but that was really good as well. But yeah, there was a few, but I just kind of, they kind of died away a little bit and I stopped listening. I think there's definitely a lot of space for well-made shows in this area. Like a lot of them are pretty, um, putting our pro podcasting hats on, I suppose. A lot of them use dodgy equipment for a start because obviously they're not planning to make much money. There's low budget, which is fine, but there's easy ways to find a good mic. Uh, a lot of them don't really do much editing at all, which again is fine if you've not got the time, but even just a little bit makes a difference. So I think there's really space to not just talk, you know, about anything, but pick, I think part of the reason I liked Heel and Hammer, for example, was the specificness of it. Like every episode would be about quite a focused topic. So I would know what I'm going to get from it. Um, and I wouldn't skip much, even if it wasn't that relevant, because I know what to expect at least. So yeah, if you're out there thinking like to do a show like this, like someone like that can be a really good way to go about it to think, what is a way that I can help gamers and make sure that every episode is quite kind of focused on something so that people know exactly what they're going to get and they make sure they do get that by the end of it. Someone around that, I think. And I think as well, like, I could see why it's tempting for a lot of folks. If they want to create some content around their hobby, maybe they think these days that, like, YouTube is better or maybe, you know, I'll get a, an Instagram account. And I'm not saying these things mm. can't do really well and there's not a yeah, place for yeah. them, but I think the big advantage of podcasting is that that ability to go long form, isn't it? Like, we could yeah. really get into a topic, we could explore it you know, we could really dig into certain nuances of it. Whereas yeah. if you've got an Instagram account or you're doing YouTube shorts or whatever, yeah. uh, you've got like a very quick time. It's this short attention span. You know, I'm just going to hit you with a few quick things and it's, it's it can be great, but it's it's quite shallow as well, isn't it? It's totally that, yeah, for sure. Like I used to listen to that Hammer show. Like I said, even when he was talking about an army I didn't collect at all, I actually, there wasn't much benefit in listening to you know, the, the benefits of the ghoul horde or whatever. Um, it was nothing nothing that I was going to use, but I would listen to it because I got to know him. I spent like half an hour, an hour every week with him um, and his pals that he got on the show. Uh, and I just liked listening to them. They were friends that I caught up with every week. It sounds ridiculous, but that's the way it works. Like with podcasting because it's quite personal, it's quite intimate um, and you grow a really good audience around it because of that. So yeah, it's worth a shot. I also found podcasts uh, useful. Again, I, I think you become like you become quite good at reading rule books the more of them you read. But like when I yes. when I started buying games, I was looking at the rule books and I was like, I'm just not taking this in. Like it's just my brain wasn't engaged in it at all. And I actually hunted out a few podcasts that uh, talked through the rules of certain games. So like yeah, going yeah. back to you know getting into Frostgrave and that, I found a couple of shows where it was just two guys yeah. that went through the rules and, and gave yep. you the gist of it. And after that, when I went back and actually read my copy, it made sense to me because I'd just yep. heard these two guys like speaking through yeah. it and that. So I found that a really useful angle as well. Like I, I, I know that you could do that on YouTube, but again, the, the visuals are maybe less necessary. Different if it's like a battle report or that, I suppose. But 
I think I think you're absolutely right. They're less necessary than people think. Uh, I've done that as well. I listened to a Kill Team show, five, ten episodes, just try to get my head around the rules, and that helped a lot. Uh, when I was first, I was running a new um, campaign around D&D, actually. It was a new edition, fifth edition, I think it was. I was going to do something around, and I listened to the first five, ten episodes of a a Let's Play episode uh, series where they just they were telling a story, but they were explaining how it worked as they went along. So that can be a nice way to do it as well. Like it's a battle report where you explain what's happening when someone new happen, like you have a certain kind of role and you explain how it works. So yeah, definitely. It's a really good way to do some content. If uh, the listener was ever thinking about like starting their own show around their own hobby, like what are some of the big level tips and advice you might give them? The big thing we always say is just simplicity, isn't it? It's like, keep it keep it simple. Like, you want to have a decent mic, but you can get a decent USB mic for $50 or £50, whatever it would be. Uh, plug it into your computer and it'll just work. Like, the Samsung Q2U is always a, a go-to for us. Um, and then recording into something really simple as well. Like, you get free packages like Audacity, um, which you can record into, no worries. Um, or even, like, the the app that we run in our work days, Matthew, which is Alitu. Alitu is a, a podcast maker app that we run, which you you can record into really simply you can do calls it does a lot to clean up for you editing does the hosting and as well so i uh, like things like that just to make it really simple and easy and commit to not editing much at all as well like going live essentially recording as if you're doing a live show um so that you know you never stop you just keep going and you just um do it warts and all essentially and just put it out there it can be a great way to go for the first 10 episodes at least once you've got once you've got 10 20 episodes in then you know you've um you've kind of found your niche a little bit you've learned how to make that content you can start to put a bit more polish on it at that point but simplicity and ease uh, is a real kind of bonus in the first 10 20 episodes while you're kind of finding your feet with it i think what about you matthew what's your uh would you tell people top tips? I think um, you know that's that's great advice on like the the hard logistics of setting it up. I think when you switch over to to think about your topic as well, there's a couple angles. There's a couple of ways you could look at it. Like, yeah, is my I mean the the theme of this show is quite general in a sense. Like it's tabletop miniatures. You know, any game or whatever, any miniature. But there is a kind of theme of you know where we're mainly men in our 30s or 40s. Uh, we <laughs> probably had some time away. We've come back into an adult life and we tend yeah. to sway towards the, the older stuff, the older aesthetics, the nostalgic yeah. stuff. But it's yeah. not all exclusive to that. It's just a, a kind of a theme around it. So you could start off by having this like theme or you could go wider and you could maybe niche down over time, couldn't you? So maybe I start a show and it's the 40K show, but maybe I end up just concentrating on the elder or maybe vice versa you know yeah. i do a first full season on them and then i branch out and you know next season we're doing the orcs or whatever so it's um, the best thing you can do is actually listen to both yourself and the audience like yourself as in what are you enjoying recording the most you'll find episodes where you start to almost get bored yourself talking about it thinking do you know this isn't actually right up my street and then other episodes where you go on for an hour and a half because you just find exactly what you really love to talk about and it'll be a niche it'll be a section of that main topic but equally your audience will tell you as well like ask your audience so once you get out there even if you've just got 10 20 30 people listening ask them to feed back to you tell them what exact episodes did you like the most like what do you want me to speak about more and that evolves it too so yeah 20 30 episodes in you might be doing something quite different from what you started out with but you have to kind of start and start speaking both to find out what you like and what the audience likes 
to be able to really find that niche that you actually want to settle into, I think. And there's also that um, that thing around like download numbers and that as well, isn't there? Because again, yeah. we see uh, you know social media follower counts, uh, the way a, a social media post goes viral with likes and retweets or whatever it is, whatever the metric is. Uh, we see YouTube videos with like millions of downloads, but podcast yeah. downloads are a, they're a different animal entirely, aren't they? Because yeah. it's so long form, and people would probably be surprised at what like average downloads actually are these days in podcasting yeah. wouldn't yeah. they yeah for sure yeah they're in the hundreds rather than the thousands or even tens of thousands if you get up to a thousand listens per episode you're doing really well but like we've always said matthew isn't it like uh, a podcast listener is worth 10 times 100 times a youtube uh, watcher or a thousand times a blog reader because they engage with you so much more people spending that time with you like they're they're washing their dishes or walking their dog or whatever that's dedicated just to you and you get so much more time with those people so they become huge fans of you much more quickly um they grow that trust that credibility so like if you're running a show if you're a games company or something like that or or even if you're just wanting to create a little kind of community that you know, people sponsor you through Patreon or donations or something like that. You only need like 500, 1,000 people to really make a decent little um, income from that because you can convert so many of those listeners into whatever it is you want them to do. So does that mean I've got a huge fan out there somewhere? Um, Absolutely, so never been in you've, touch. Probably got, you've probably got three. <laughs> three say, huge, three fans. huge fans. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I've been called a huge fanny before, but um, <laughs> I don't know, huge fan. Different thing, sorry. Yeah, no, different thing. <laughs> um, Colin, as we as we just reach the towards the end of our conversation, any games on the pipeline? Anything planned in the near future for you? Good question. What have I got? Um, do you know what? I I actually I've got there's two things that I want to play more of. I mentioned settlers, like settlers of Catan. I want to play more of that. I, I feel like I'd like to actually learn. Uh, there's tournaments and stuff out there as well um, and I'm just really enjoying board games at the moment because they're so kind of defined and time bound and you can just pick them up and set them up and there's no kind of messing around with characters and missions and all that kind of stuff so I want to play a bit more Catan but equally and this is a bit of a random one I've been learning backgammon as well me and Kate have been playing a lot I of backgammon recently that. yeah it's really good fun and there's a lot of kind of strategy to it and it feels like feels a bit like chess. It's not the same level as chess, obviously, in terms of strategy and planning and all that kind of stuff. But it feels like it's got some similar aspects in that you can kind of see three, four, five moves ahead. And there's definite tactics and strategies and kind of blocking and all this kind of stuff. So it's really good fun. So I want to learn a bit more about that too. Um, but do you know what? You've mentioned Descent. I, kind of, I want to get that out again, actually, because I had been playing HeroQuest, like I mentioned, finding it a wee bit lacking, but I'd not got Descent out again. So maybe I'll, my kids are a bit older now. I reckon we could play the full rules with Descent now and uh, actually get through it. So I might do that. Yeah. What about you? You got in the pipeline? Um, again, in March, hoping to... I've got a couple of things I want to do. So I've been painting up very slowly. I've been painting up two sets of six mil armies. Yeah, so yeah. I'm looking... I'd really like to get a game of that with the Mayhem rules, uh, yeah. which is a rule book that I've got. And I want to play another game of Song and Blades and Heroes, which is a brilliant wee game. I've got a good idea for a, a slightly unbalanced scenario that I'd like me and Robert to play through and see how we get on. So <laughs> I think one of those cool. will be my next game. That'll probably be 
towards the end of March. I try and get like yeah. if I could get a game once a month, I'd be delighted. It's 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 yeah. nearer once every second month, but I'm happy enough yeah. with that. It gives me plenty of time to get new stuff painted and ready and that. So yeah, yeah, we're just about managing once every three weeks, maybe with Kill Team at the moment. Mm-hmm. So that'd be good. Yeah, for sure. Sounds good. Do you know another random one? It's a different topic entirely, maybe a different episode, but card games. I actually, more often than not, when we meet up with um, friends, I'll play a game of Magic, Magic the Gathering. Um, and there's a few games like that I kind of want to get into a wee bit more because I feel like that's a good one to play with the kids as they get older too because you can play a game of that in 10 minutes max really like we play a fair bit of Uno but Uno is not Uno is good fun but it's not quite got the same uh, kind of strategy and uh, thinking around it so I'd like to get into maybe magic and a few other things like that a bit more great stuff we'll we'll get you back on for sure Colin (laughs) but want to find out how the game of Descent goes so uh, indeed indeed I need to play it now have you got uh, anywhere you'd like to send a listener, anything you'd like to share or point to? Oh well, if any, if anyone's interested in the whole starting a podcast thing, we've got our post over at thepodcasthost.com forward slash start. That's thepodcasthost.com forward slash start. And that'll take you through every step to making a podcast, right from that kind of simple gear software right up to how to promote it at the end. So everyone's going to start their own shows and and I'll lose all my Compete listeners because that's what happens. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what happens. <laughs> cool. Thanks for having me on, Matthew. Big thanks to Colin for coming on the show and thanks to you, as always, for listening. And just one final thing before we head out the door. I wouldn't be a proper podcaster if I didn't uh, ask humbly for the odd podcast review every now and then. So podcast reviews, like if you listen on an app or platform that supports reviews, They're always really nice to see. They don't actually do anything, aside from let a podcaster know that you're uh, listening to and enjoying their content. So, yeah, they're really nice to see, and I do appreciate them when they they come through the old digital mail every now and then. So, hi, if you could leave a wee review for this podcast, I really would appreciate it. And if you can't be bothered, then fair enough. I won't won't hold that against you at all. I understand. Uh, So thanks very much once again for listening, and we'll catch up again on the next episode. (laughs) 